Welcome to the Family Addiction Coaching Podcast. My name is Patrick Doyle. I am one of only 22 certified craft clinicians in the United States, a family addiction coach, and a social worker with 30 years experience in the addiction and mental health fields. From this series, you'll learn insider tips and strategies to best help a loved one with addiction gain health and recovery. You will also learn how to improve your family's overall quality of life. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick Doyle. I'm the host of the Family Addiction Podcast, a social worker and family addiction coach. And this is the second episode of my new series focusing on solutions to problems families hit when a loved one is struggling with substance use. Today's episode is on how to talk about addiction. But first, let's recap what we've touched on so far. In episode 15, I spoke about how to recognize addiction and shared tips and information such as its definition. Addiction is defined as the compulsive use of a substance despite negative consequences. When persons with addiction feel loved, which we can influence through our use of language, they are capable of amazing accomplishments, including gaining health and recovery. We also addressed what addiction is not. Addiction is not the same as dependency. One can have addiction without dependency, and one can have dependency without addiction. Unfortunately, it has become very common to mistakenly think of patients who need opioids to manage pain as if they have an addiction. Fact is, there are many patients for whom nothing but opioids will help improve their quality of life. It's key that we don't label appropriate medical care as drug-seeking. When patients with diabetes cooperate with treatment and refill their insulin medication, we don't label that drug-seeking. Today, we'll be addressing a listener question from Amanda S., who wrote in to say, Episode 15 had great tips on recognizing addiction, but once you recognize it, how do you talk to a loved one about your concerns? And do you try to get them into treatment? What if they're not willing or ready to go? Thanks, Amanda. I'll be sure to answer your question, but first I want to discuss general communication skills. Many families struggle with this, so let's get right to it. The science behind today's episode is from the psychological approach called CRAFT, Community Reinforcement and Family Training, shown to have a 70% success rate for encouraging a loved one with addiction into treatment. For several decades, people have been told a number of things that are not helpful or practical, such as, let them hit bottom, they have to figure it out for themselves, or there's nothing you can do. Helping them is enabling their use and means you are codependent. These tough love messages are not true and often cause harm to both families and loved ones with addiction. What's unique about my family coaching is that the family learns to change to more effective approaches towards the person with addiction. The family cannot control their loved one. However, with a little bit of help, the family can influence their loved one to move forward in a positive direction. So, why work on communication? Positive communication is contagious. If you practice the following techniques, it means you're more likely to get what you want. Secondly, addiction puts a great deal of stress on families and usually causes serious communication problems. These problems are likely to continue even after your loved one gains recovery. The good news is that with practice, anyone can learn skills to communicate more effectively and these skills are generalizable. 
they can be successfully applied to improve any type of difficult conversation. Expressing your concerns about addiction may not go as well as hoped during the first attempt, but by preparing, planning, and developing skills, you'll see improvements soon that will start a process of recovery. When trying to have a positive discussion, it's important to find the right time. Don't try to have a serious conversation when people are tired or under the influence. Timing is everything. We look for windows of opportunity or times of relative calm and lower stress. That's when we're most likely to have a positive impact. Here are seven tips to help communication, along with an easy acronym, PIUS, P-I-U-S, to help you remember. Tip number one, and this might be the most challenging of all seven, be brief. Keep it short and simple, three or four sentences at the most. Nobody wants to hear a lecture. When we keep it brief, the other person is more likely to stay in the conversation. The person feels that you are talking with them rather than talking down to or against them. Tip number two, be positive. Say what you want, not what you don't want. Instead of saying, I hate it when you drink, say, I like it when you are sober. Positivity can also be achieved by making sure you start the discussion with praise for your loved one's efforts. If you can't come up with anything positive, take some more time to think this through. Finding it is critical to your success. Tip number three, be specific and clear. Figure out what exactly it is that you want to say before you say anything. Keep the focus tight and narrow on only one concern. Avoid generalizations such as, you always get drunk on weekends, or I can never trust you. Focus on just the facts without jumping to conclusions. Instead of saying, you didn't come to dinner because you don't love me anymore and you are out drinking, you can say, you did not come to dinner last night. Tip number four, label your feelings. I feel. The I statement is one of the best communication tools that we have. Keep the focus on yourself. Don't blame the other person for how you feel. Instead of, you make me so mad, say, when you drink, I feel worried. Tip number five, offer an understanding statement. Develop empathy. Take the time to learn the other person's perspective. This shows that you care enough to try to understand, even though you may disagree. For example, by saying, honey, I know how frustrating it is for you to job hunt in this tough market, but I'm so worried. You are showing that you understand how the other person feels, which makes it easier for that person to hear you without feeling defensive. Tip number six, accept partial responsibility. This can be tough, as I'll tell you right at the start that you cannot cause addiction. So it may be something more like, maybe this is partly my fault because I've been working long hours. Maybe I haven't given you the time you deserve. Or, I'm sure that I've had a part in the problem. I make mistakes, which I try to learn from. This is important, as it makes the other less likely to act defensively and to shut you down. Tip number seven, offer to help. The best thing. The only offer to help you should say is this. 
Is there anything I can do to help? Again, is there anything I can do to help? Don't offer anything specific, like, can I bring you to the treatment program today? Having your loved one identify what they see as helpful is key to having them feel supported. And bear in mind, more than getting your loved one to commit to recovery, you are starting the process of developing more open communications. Better to let your loved one come up with ideas, as they are more likely to own them and to follow through. People who choose their own path to recovery generally have the best outcomes. The acronym PIUS, P-I-U-S, is easy to remember and can help guide you during a tense discussion. PIUS stands for positive, I statements, understanding, and shared responsibility. Positive statements, turning negative feelings and statements into positive statements of communication, is a key influencing technique that really works. For example, here's a negative. You always screw up the evening. And here's a positive. I enjoy you so much when you don't drink. Here's another negative. You're so inconsiderate for missing dinner without calling. Here's the positive. I feel hurt when you miss dinner without calling. Pious. I statements. Here's a sample you statement. You're an accident waiting to happen when you drink. Here's a sample I statement. I get scared when you drink so much. You see how the focus has changed? Pious. Understanding. Show your loved one that you understand and that you care about their feelings. For example, I understand that it's hard to work on your recovery when you can't get an appointment with your counselor and your doctor doesn't seem to have time to see you. I understand how that could make things more difficult and put real stress on you. Pious. Shared responsibility for finding solutions. For example, I understand that you get upset when the kids make so much noise. Maybe I could get them to play in their room so you can concentrate on looking for a job. Or, I know it's partly my fault that we argue so much. I'm going to try to be more understanding, and I hope you will also try to see my side of the issues. Or, I know I sometimes react strongly to your drinking even when it's uncalled for. Let's work together to solve our differences. Again, pious is easy to remember and can be helpful as a real-time guide during difficult conversations. Let's get back to Amanda's question. Episode 15 had great tips on recognizing addiction, but once you recognize it, how do you talk to a loved one about your concerns? And do you try to get them into treatment? What if they're not willing or ready to go? Great question, Amanda. Let's imagine a typical scenario. A mother and an adult daughter, let's say, where the mom is afraid to address her suspicions about daughter's possible drug use. Mom thinks daughter is using, but she's not 100% sure. The mom just wants to let daughter know that if she is using, she can come to her for help and support. Mom doesn't want to push her away. Amanda, I would view this as probably needing a series of conversations over time, as people with addiction don't always disclose or confide the first time you bring it up. They tend to feel guilty or ashamed of their behavior. 
The compulsive nature of their use of substances is confusing and hard to understand. They often feel badly about burdening or making you worry. The best you can do is to build a safe space of love and acceptance so that when she's ready, your daughter will talk and be open and honest with you. You can start with something as simple as, It seems that we don't talk as much as we used to, and I miss that. The times that we do talk, you seem maybe a little down. Is everything all right? Most likely, your daughter will respond by assuring you that everything's fine and will change the subject, or maybe say she has to get off the phone call. Without pressing her, you could then add, While it's great to hear good news, I also want you to feel like you can talk to me when you have concerns or troubles. I love you so much. I want to be there for you no matter what. If you continue to have nagging questions or doubts, you'll want to revisit these concerns again. You may not want to bring it up each time you talk if you don't have to. You try not to accuse her of anything. It doesn't help. Basically, you show her that there's no problem you would not want her to share. By not pushing or accusing her of anything, you are showing that you accept her just as she is and that she's in charge of her own life. Over time, you are creating a foundation of safety and trust so that when your daughter is ready, she will come to you. Now, if you see signs of high-risk behavior, you may need to approach it more directly. Don't put off expressing concern when you have reason to believe your loved one may come to harm. No matter the level of your concern, these seven tips and pious will be very useful to having constructive conversations. Amanda, I hope this is helpful for you. Thank you so much for your terrific question. So, to recap this episode, the acronym PIUS will help you remember the most important four of today's seven communications tips. Bear in mind, this is not a one and done. The more we practice, the better we get, and the more comfortable we feel. In fact, I often caution my families to not expect the first conversation to go well. Yet, even if it seems to blow up on you, that's okay. Bear in mind, you're practicing a different approach, and it may take time to work. Don't lose hope, and don't give up. Keep at it, and get support for yourself from people who understand and who build you up. If you're having issues communicating with a loved one who uses substances, and if the advice you're getting just isn't working anymore, feel free to contact me. I'll help you learn a more compassionate approach proven to be most effective, and together we can start to save your family from addiction. Always remember, people can accomplish amazing things when they feel loved. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope this has been helpful for you. As always, thanks for listening to Family Addiction Coaching. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you have found this episode helpful, please ask two friends to give it a listen. If you have questions you'd like to me to answer on a future episode, you can reach me at familyaddictioncoach.com, on Twitter at Patrick Doyle underscore 35, and on my Facebook page, Family Addiction Podcast. You can also email me directly at patrick at familyaddictioncoach.com. Be sure to come back for the next episode for more insider information you won't get anywhere else, and check out the other episodes. Until then, 
This is Patrick Doyle. Take good care. That brings us to the end of this episode. As always, thanks for listening to Family Addiction Coaching. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you found this episode helpful, please ask two friends to give it a listen. Be sure to come back for the next Pro Tips episode. For more insider information you won't get anywhere else, and check out the other episodes. Until then, this is Patrick Doyle, and you can find me at familyaddictioncoach.com. Thank you.